Good morning. Hello. Good morning. It's good to be here. That is somewhat of an understatement. I haven't been in this class for six weeks. And so here I stand, and it's, I'm just very thankful. So, thank you, Dennis, for that prayer. Um, we, um, we're going to talk about water this morning. And, you know, God definitely has a sense of humor because he put it on my heart to pursue this. And about the very same day, he shut off our water. <laughs> Our water to be shut off. And, um, you know, he's in all things. I mean, one thing that I have learned throughout this season, throughout this last year, even through the beginning of this year, is he's in everything. And he, 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 he's, he's in every joy. He's in every hardship. He's in every difficult time, every stress. If we just will give in to him and not react. And I am learning not to react because the more I realize that in times that are challenging, when I lean into him, there's always revelation. He always reveals himself in and through it. And, and I'm just really thankful for that, aren't you? So it's a good day to be here. It's a good day to be in the house of the Lord. We're going to talk about the house of the Lord today. And, you know, this is, this teaching, sometimes I feel like my prophetic gift collides with whatever teaching gift that I have. And, and this really is probably, I mean, this, this teaching comes from a prophetic word that the Lord gave to me. And, you know, sometimes when you, you take a, what God is speaking to you and you begin to apply it into a teaching scenario or a teaching outline or something like that, it's just a really interesting dynamic. And so my prayer this morning is that really the, the prophetic spirit would speak and that, um, that you would see him and that you would hear him and that you would receive what I believe he's speaking to us today through this year of the prophetic and even in the midst of this month of the evangelist where he has really promised us an empowerment of his dunamis um, to bring remedy, to bring healing, to bring um, just restoration, I guess I should say. And so here's the backstory. A couple of weeks ago, I, I, I don't know if I've ever taught from a dream. I mean, maybe I have, I don't remember, but that's just, that's never been my, I mean, it's just, I, I'm sure I've taught from a vision, but this came from a dream. And, and it was during COVID, and um, there was a couple of weeks that I was struggling to sleep. And so being in this season of Sha'al, I woke up in the night, and I'm laying there, and I began to pray. And I was getting a little frustrated, because we all do when we can't sleep. And this had been just a progression. And so I was just laying there, 
and I began to pray, and I felt pretty desperate. And I, I just said to the Lord from my heart, Lord, just speak to me. Just talk to me. I mean, almost like, you know, if you picture Samuel, young Samuel, there the Lord is speaking to him, you know, speak to me, your servant hears. And, and I really just presented myself before the Lord. And, and, and then I went to sleep. And it's been just really kind of a, a really unique um, uh, season, I guess. I don't know if you guys are experiencing this. But I've had a lot of, like, spiritual interaction, like, specifically in the night. I mean, just a lot. And that's really not that new for me, but it's been heightened. And so I go to sleep, and the next thing I know, whether it's a dream, I don't know, but I was in the sanctuary. I mean, I was in the sanctuary. And, and I was living this scripture. It's like the man, the angel, was taking me through the sanctuary to, you know, through the door into the house, by the altar, by the gates, and the water was rising. And he was talking to me about it. You know, he, he there was like an, an exchange, and I, I just remember, I mean, I was just like, moving through the sanctuary being led of this angel or this man with the with the line and and going through our sanctuary and I remember there was different levels and you know it's sometimes it's difficult to to really describe a dream but it it was so real to me and you know I have dreams and I have experiences like that but this one was like a step I mean this was just really very very real for me and so I woke up that morning, and I, it was just like so much on my spirit. And I just thanked the Lord. I was just like, Lord, I know you're speaking through this. Speak to me. Show me. And so I just began to pray about it. I didn't study it. I mean, of course, I got up the next morning. I went straight to Ezekiel 47. I read the whole passage um, of scriptures, and, and then I just committed it to prayer. I just said, Lord, whatever you're doing, whatever you are manifesting in our house, in my house, whatever it might be, I am yielding to it. Just make me a voice, your voice. And so earlier this week, I began to study, and I really began to seek the Lord about what he was saying to us about this. And it's about water. And then my water got shut off. <laughs> but that's okay, because yesterday I was up here, and I, I was praying about that, because I just kind of have to chuckle at the, the humor of the Lord. Because he's our source. He is our source. And so I was laying in the sanctuary, and the Lord, I was asking the Lord about it, and he said, hunger and thirst after me, after righteousness. And we understand that that thirsting is, it, you know, it, it translates his fellowship and commune with him. And he is our source. I mean, the Lord Jesus said that to us. I mean, it says it throughout Scripture. And so it just made me realize that, in this moment, for whatever God's doing in this moment in my home, in my household, whatever, in this house, that he's in it. And he is our source. He is the fountain 
of life. He is our source. And so he was just telling me, you know, it's like you, you draw from me for everything that you need. And if it has to manifest in the natural where I am incredibly thirsty, in the natural, we have water to drink. I mean, Stacy sent over gallons of water for us. Um, but you know what I'm saying. It's like if, if, my, if my physical frame has to experience that to wake me up and make me recognize he is the source, he is our water supply, then so be it. You know, I, I'm, I'm very thankful for that. So when I say God is in all of it, he is in all of it. So that's how it happened. And so um, in Ezekiel 47, we're going to read 1 through 13, and then we're going to talk about several things that I feel like the Lord is saying. And then we're going to read the end of it um, at the end. Amen? Everybody good? Everybody good. Okay, so if Ezekiel 47, verse 1. And afterward, he brought me again unto the door of the house. Now, just a little side note. This word for house is, I mean, Ezekiel uses it interchangeably throughout his book, house, sanctuary, temple, house, sanctuary. He's, it's, it, it's, it's just an, kind of an interchangeable thing. But we know that this is the sanctuary, right? And behold, waters issued out from under the threshold of the house, eastward for the forefront of the house stood eastward or stood toward the east and the waters came down from under from the right side of the house at the south side of the altar then brought he me out of the way of the gate northward and led me about the way without unto the utter gate by the way that looks eastward and behold there ran out waters on the right side this word, this, this word for ran out, literally, it's like a trickle, okay? I just want you to make a, make a note there. On the right side. And when the man that had the line in his hand went forth eastward, he measured a thousand cubits, and he brought me through the waters. The waters were to the ankles. And again, he measured a thousand and brought me through the waters, and the waters were to the knees. And he, again, he measured a thousand and brought me through, and the waters were to the loins. Afterward, he measured a thousand, and it was a river that I, that I could not pass over. For the waters were risen, waters to swim in, a river that could not be passed over. And he said unto me, Son of man, hast thou seen this? Then he brought me and caused me to return to the brink of the river. Excuse me, I am seriously thirsty. <laughs> Now, if you study this, I mean, this, this a whole passage of scriptures is likened to, from, by so many, and there's so many different scriptures that reference the rivers that run from Jerusalem. So, so many commentaries and so many people interpret it as this is, you know, the millennial kingdom, or this is the millennial temple, or this is um, what God's going to do to restore his people, and these are waters that are running from Jerusalem. People also interpret it as this is the gospel that is being spread throughout the world. We know that waters represent the Holy Spirit. We also know that waters are very prophetic. They represent life. So if the prophetic, if prophecy is life, which we know that it is, we also recognize that lest a seed fall to the ground and die, it has no life, but it, come, it, comes, it's, it, it breaks through 
and brings forth fruit, right, which is life. And so it's so interesting to me because at the beginning of this year, almost immediately the Lord began to speak to me about the prophetic in our house or in this network that we had to be that seed that died. And as many times as you may have been through that cycle, it is a continual cycle, right? And so I submitted myself, Lord, I want to die. Let me die. Let me be that dead seed. Let me be that dead seed and let fruit come forth in your timing, but not before. And we have to have water to bring the seed forth. And so for me, in a lot of ways, this water is watering the seed to bring forth the most incredible fruit, the most incredible breakthrough, the most incredible expansion that God is going to do in this year. Amen? Amen. So it's about the rising of the waters, and it's about expansion. It doesn't stay within the four walls of the church. It doesn't stay within you. Because if you, you, know, if you think about this picture, this is, a heaven, this is a picture of a heavenly temple. And that's what we're going to look at it as. We're not going to look at Jerusalem. We're not going to look at any of that stuff. We're going to look at it as the heavenly temple that Ezekiel was describing, that the Lord showed him and that the Lord showed me. And, and, and it's an active picture of blessing, of water that is rising up in our midst and will subsequently flow out into our neighborhoods, into our city, into our country, into the nations of the world. And dear Lord, do we not need that? Because water is also a cleansing. It is the cleansing. It is the cleansing element. And it is also the element that brings the new birth, the new life, the born again, you and me, and so many that God is calling. You think about Jesus. I mean, he came upon the earth. He lived for 30 years. What did he do when it was time for him to step out into active ministry and begin to move in the power God had given him? God had given him. <laughs> he went to John, the baptizer, and he was submerged in water. He didn't have to do that. But he did it because he is the greatest example for us. And when he came out of that water, the father said, this is my son, who am I well pleased. The Holy Spirit descended upon him, and he went forth and moved in the spirit of the Lord and did all that he did in those three years and paved the way for us to do the same. So water is so essential. It really is. Amen? Amen. So we're going to look at this really more from a prophetic standpoint. We're going to look at this from the standpoint of the heavenly temple. And then we're also going to look at this from the standpoint of you and me as the temple of the Holy Ghost, of that water, living waters that flows out of us. Okay? Okay. Now, the first thing the Lord really began to, to show me was that it begins in the sanctuary. And I, I want to talk about our sanctuary for a minute. Because I know that all of you feel the same way that I feel about our sanctuary. I mean, I remember when 
all hell was coming against us and the threat of taking our sanctuary. Remember that? I mean, I, I, and I remember, you know, different talks over the years. You know, should we sell? Should we move? You know, what, you know whatever, whatever. And I just remember, I will fight for this sanctuary for the rest of my life. Now, can it become an idol? Yes. But it is sacred. It is, it is, um, it is my favorite place. Right? And I know that over this last year, and I know God has been in this, he has really drawn us into our homes to establish community, to establish intercession, to establish the altar in our own homes, to really establish sanctuaries in our own homes. And I'm not discounting that. That is necessary, and it really continues. I mean, I can't tell you how many stories I've heard of people throughout the city just this last week who flocked to a friend's house because they had no power or water. And they were living intimately, trust me, <laughs> because, well, no, don't, no, no, that, that didn't sound right. They were living very close, is what I'm trying to say. Um, you know, you don't have running water or, you, you know, you just, whatever you have to do to keep warm. But my point is, is that the Lord continues that. He's forcing us to really establish the home church, to establish, right, the, the, the temples in our own homes and to welcome because I think we're going to be even welcoming our neighbors which is just crazy for me to think but I, I do I think that we are our, our homes are going to be like houses of prayer with lights on them where it's it, they're going to draw people but I segue there um, or I digress there but so I, I really just want to talk about our sanctuary for a minute and, and really just remind you of what it represents. Because I know throughout this year, there's been a scattering. And, and I know that our sanctuary has been empty. A lot. And, and, and I know that um, what I just said about we're, we've learned to pray in our own homes. We, you know, that, that God was in that. But I also really want to emphasize through what I'm about to say our responsibility to the house God has given us. And um, because I feel like that's what the Lord was saying. And it, it, it has so much to do with this flow of water that's going to go forth, that is rising. And so let's just look at sanctuary for just a minute, just a, somewhat of a, a review, I would say. Like I said, Ezekiel uses these words interchangeably, sanctuary and house, referring to the heavenly temple. House is a word that literally means a household or a family, a place of worship. And, um, but it's also used to reference God's temple in Jerusalem. Sanctuary, we know, is at that dedicated place, that sacred place of commune, of devotion, of worship, of prayer, of intercession. It's a communication house. It's a house where there's spiritual communication, spiritual interaction, the angelic interaction, the gates are alive. It is a sanctified place that, that really represents, um, um, let's see, what am I trying to say? It, rec it, 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 it draws the distinction between 
a space that is sacred versus a place that is profane. It is sacred. It is sanctified. And we know that. Remember those days where we would go into Peace Chapel and we would cleanse ourselves before we'd go into the sanctuary? You know what happened to that? Well, we're all just <laughs> clean. I mean, we, are, you know, we, we live that life, but still, that's still uh, um, very important for us. So it's a place to be separated unto something. And we know that in Exodus, the inner sanctuary was where the Holy of Holies was, where it contained the Ark of the Covenant, where the mercy seat was, really where the, the, the virtual, literal presence of God was for them. It comes from a word, kadosh, and it means to be hallowed, holy, sanctified, to be consecrated, to be dedicated, and we know that it also describes from the Old Testament, the lampstand, because that was present, which is the Spirit of God, which is presence, His ways. The showbread, which is our identity, the functioning of, of us as priests and sons. And the incense. It, the altar of incense was there, which represents inter our intercession, the saints, uh, the prayers of the saints, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So that in the Old Testament was the definition of sanctuary. In the New Testament, we know that Jesus is currently, right now, this very moment, <coughs> ministering in the sanctuary in the true tabernacle in heaven. That word sanctuary from the New Testament is hagion, comes from hagios, which is the word we get our word saints. Okay? Holy place, sacred, sanctuary. And we know that it comes from the word hog, which means committed to the ways of God and partnering with him to restore whatever part of his plan that has been hindered or perverted. So it's our place. It's the place of the saints. It is the sanctified place of the saints where we are called to function before the Lord. I'm not telling you anything you don't know. I'm just reminding you. Okay? Now, I was listening to Sunday school at... Um, Port St. John a couple of weeks ago and David Smith was speaking and I don't even remember like the, the actual topic that he was speaking on but I remember he said one thing that just he said a lot of things but I mean he said one thing that just struck me and he said we need to be emulating heaven right now and we know that we need we've got a functioning temple in heaven the Lord there the you know Jesus is sitting at the right hand right we are citizens there our conversation is there we are seated in heavenly places there you know, that is, our, that is our true place in the spirit. And so whatever's happening in heaven, we need to be emulating here on the earth in our sanctuary and functioning therein. And it's really, really important to God. It's a sacred place for him. So let's look at a, I just plucked a couple of passages just to really drive home the importance of the sanctuary, okay? We're going we're gonna to look at Exodus 25, 7 through 8. This is probably the most important one. And it said, let them make me a sanctuary that I may dwell among them. So why do we function in the sanctuary? Because God is dwelling there. He's there. He is in there. He is there. This word for dwell, it's not, it, it, it's not like the idea of just hanging around or that he's this lofty God. It means nearness and closeness. So our sanctuary is a place where God dwells in nearness and closeness. 
And if that does not make you want to run there, then I'm going to pray for you. <laughs> Bible says in Leviticus 19.30 that it says, You shall keep my Sabbaths and you shall reverence or fear my sanctuary. I am Yahweh. Now we understand the fear of the Lord. Um, it's the beginning of wisdom. It's to hate evil, the twisted purpose that's been engendered by the rebellion of Satan. So when we fear him, it has everything to do with restoring restoring what Satan has to file and, and partner with God in, in bringing forth righteousness, okay? And it's proactively to join with the Lord in battle against evil, against raw. And so for we, we are to fear or reverence his sanctuary, knowing that it is a place where we engage in battle on behalf of... of um, dismantling the evil of the rebellion of Satan. Okay. Wisdom. Exodus 36, um, I don't know why I said 1 through 7, but verse 1 is when God was given the directive to build the sanctuary, and he said, in whom the Lord puts wisdom and understanding to know how to work all manner of work for the service of the sanctuary, according to all that Yahweh has commanded. So God's house, his sanctuary, really was built through wisdom. It was built, that is the foundation of it, through the spirit of wisdom. And it represents the pure intent and purpose of God, his, his, his perfect purpose and the antithesis of what evil is. Okay? So it's a place where wisdom flows. And we need that. We need that divine direction. We need that. It's where our help comes. Psalm 20, verses, we're going to read the whole thing. Um, the Lord, hear thee in the day of trouble. The name of God of Jacob, defend thee. Send thee help from the sanctuary and strengthen thee, thee out of Zion. Remember all thy offerings and accept thy burnt offering, Selah. Grant thee according to thine own heart and fulfill all thy counsel. counsel. We will rejoice in thy salvation. In the name of our God, we will set up our banners. The Lord fulfill all thy petitions. Now know I that the Lord saves his anointed. He will hear him from his holy heaven with the saving strength of his right hand. Some trust in chariots, some in horses, but we will remember the name of the Lord, our God. They are brought down and fallen, but we are risen. We stand upright. Save the Lord. Let, let, him, let the king hear us when we call. So in the sanctuary, come from there comes our help. And this help means our divine aid, our support, our protection. He surrounds us, and he sustains us. He brings all measure of provision, and it flows through there. He fulfills all of our petitions. He fulfills all of our counsel. He saves his anointed there, and he brings down at the enemy. But we are risen, and we stand upright. Amen? Think about David. I remember, you know, David... Before he would go out to war, he would go into the temple with the intercessors, and he would pray and worship there before he went to battle. What was that about? Because from there comes our help. God's just so good. He's so good. See, we will see him. Psalm 63, 1 through 2. O God, thou art my God. Early will I seek thee. My soul thirsts for thee. My flesh longs for thee in a dry and thirsty land where there is no water. 
This is my passage for the day. To see thy power and thy glory, so as I have seen in thy sanctuary. So to see his power, this is, this is the word O's, and it's that creative measure of power that come, that, that it, it's, like, it's like capturing and applying the creative inspiration of wisdom and, 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 and God's divine direction. That's what the O's is, or the, the O's. And it's, it's one of the power words that we have. But to be able to see that in the sanctuary, to see that creative measure of, of his divine direction and the creative way that he's going to do things, we see that in, in the sanctuary. And, and two, I mean, to see his glory, to know his burden, to know the weightiness of his burden, and to know that in that place, engaged with him, his glory covers us and protects us as we pursue, really, his purpose. Thy way, Psalm seventy-seven, thirteen. Thy way, O God, Elohim, is in the sanctuary. Who is so great a God is our great is our God. And this this is a familiar word. This way, it's the word Derek, and it literally means his way, his journey, the road that he has us on. And it comes from our word Dorak, which which means setting foot on territory with a sense of trampling them down. Okay. And in Deuteronomy and in Joshua, the verb is used in taking possession of the promised land. So in the sanctuary is his way. He shows us his way. And in the midst of our dwelling and our functioning in the sanctuary, we are in his way. And, and, and we are trampling the enemy. And we are taking possession of the land. So if you ever think that your intercession in the sanctuary is not effective, I just want you to, I just really wanted to remind us of, of just a small glimpse of, of what it represents. Praise. Praise ye the Lord. Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in the firmament of his power. And then he goes on this beautiful psalm. We praise God in his sanctuary. Praise is so important. And when we praise him and we declare who he is and the sovereignty of who he is, we welcome his presence. We welcome his sovereign presence into our midst to partner with what it is that he has come to accomplish. And so praise is in the sanctuary. Jesus is in the sanctuary. Hebrews 8, beginning with verse 1. Now of the things which you have spoken, this is the sum. We have such a high priest who is set on the right hand of the throne of the majesty in the heavens, a minister of the sanctuary and of the true tabernacle, which the Lord pitched and not man. For every high priest is ordained to offer gifts and sacrifices. Wherefore, it is of necessity that this man have somewhat also to offer. So Jesus is in the sanctuary. He's in that heavenly He's in his heavenly place at the right hand of the Father, and he's functioning as the high priest and really um, being that divine example for us as we function here in the sanctuary. Amen? Amen. Now, I said this at the beginning, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to reiterate this before we go on to the altar. Um, we're talking about our sanctuary. It's a place. 
It's a house. It's the house of the Lord, and we're here. But every single one of these really can be applied to us as the temple of the Lord. Okay? And we'll talk a little bit more of that in a few minutes, but I just want to reiterate that. The next thing the Lord began to speak to me was about his altar. And, and you know, we know that how important it is for us to keep that lamp burning, to keep the fire on the altar, those coals stoked with passion, and, and that's just our individual responsibility before the Lord. But I, I just want to remind us of a couple of passages that the Lord really highlighted about this. The first is Romans 12, verses 1 through 2. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. You guys, the altar is so important for us. Let's, uh, let's never forget that. And, and I remember studying this when I was writing that book on dance how important it is for us to put ourselves on the altar. I mean, he says right here, you present your body there. And, and, and you present it as a, a living sacrifice. And, you know, this, this really just targets or hits home with me because it is that place where you die to yourself. A place where you die. A living sacrifice, that, that burnt offering was the whole offering. They had to burn the whole beast. And so it's not something that you can, oh, take this arm and this arm, but don't take my legs. You know, it is the, it's the whole body. And, and that's what God requires of us because that offering, that altar, that offering is really the doorway into intercession. It's just so important for us that we remember um, that we remember that. And, you know, it says, which is our reasonable service. And I really love this because reasonable, it's not like some emotional compulsion that we have when we walk in and we just, you know, feel this emotion. It is a logical, rational, intelligent choice. It, I mean, God requires of us to make a, an intelligent choice to crawl up on that altar into the fire. It's not just some compulsion. It is something that we partner with in him because we recognize that it is necessary. You know, I was thinking about worship because this word, you know, the word, um, well, I can't remember what it was, but I, I was just really um, overlapping ser service, ser service, yes, sorry guys, COVID brain. Um, I wonder how long I can use that one. <laughs> if I'm still using that next year, then you can, you can call me on it. No, but it is a very real thing, but that's on. Um, anyway, the word for service literally is the word ministry. You know, we always associate ministry as a pulpit. Give me a microphone. I'm just supposed to be in ministry, so just give me a microphone, give me an audience, and let me just... You know, just, but this is ministry. This is perhaps one of the most important ministries before the Lord. And, you know, God created us from the dust of the earth. He breathed, 
his life into us. He made us his living soul, all for a relationship and partnership with him. We know that. But <laughs> the foundation of it is worship. It is. It's our heart of worship before him, and we are the only creature on this earth that can worship. Now, I know it says the trees clap their hands and all that, but this living, breathing soul, the only one that can actually, that he created to be able to worship. And so he desires for us to be regenerated in order that we might be capable of worshiping in a way that is acceptable to him. And, you know, I've been guilty. I've been guilty of going through them, but we all have. But God is calling us in this hour, in this year, to back to the altar. And, and you know, redemption cleanses us from, from sin to bring us, bring us into this, this um, intimate place of fellowship with him. But we have to die daily. I mean, we got to get on the altar. Nothing is more important than this. Nothing takes precedent of this. This is the sacrifice of praise. And God's requiring that of us. And, you know, sometimes it doesn't feel very good. But the fruit of it is, well, here's the fruit of it. Be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your minds that you may prove what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. I love Paul and the way that he writes because it's not an emotional experience. I mean, pa uh, Worship is driven with passion, and I know that, and I understand that. But, I mean, he's speaking very reasonable and logical here and very rational to us. Because I'm telling you guys, this ongoing ministry before the Lord, where we get on the altar and we die to ourselves, is necessary so that we are not conformed to the world. Be not conformed. That our minds are renewed and that we are transformed day by day to his tobe, will, and purpose. And every, I mean, the enemy is trying everything he can to get our perspective off, to cause us to react. And, and we, we have to stay on the altar, and we have to, to allow our minds to be um, renewed, transformed, so that we are not conformed to what's happening around us. Amen? Amen. Now, there's an al another altar I'm going to mention and that's the altar of incense. Revelation 8, 2 through 6. And I saw seven angels which stood before, the Lord, before God, and to them were given seven trumpets. And another angel came and stood at the altar, having a golden censer. And there was given unto him much incense, that he should offer it with the prayers of the saints upon the golden altar, which was before the throne. And the smoke of the incense, which came with the prayers of the saints, ascended up before God out of the angel's hand. And the angel took the censer and filled it with fire of the altar and cast it to the earth and there were voices and thunderings and lightnings and earthquakes and that seventh angel which had the seven trumpets prepared themselves to sound and so this all we this is this is an old study but i just want to bring this into a current place and just say this altar of incense is very real for us and it is necessary for us as intercessors to 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 keep that doorway into the presence of God, that doorway of intercessory ministry always burning as it did in the tabernacle. And, you know, incense isn't offered flippantly. It is, it has very little to do with our own, it has nothing to do with our own agenda. It's all about what God wants and what his will and agenda is. 
And so we need to be that incense. We need to, we need to be at that altar of incense and, and, and allow that fire to burn or allow that incense to be presented before the Lord so his fire comes down and consumes it and becomes that pleasing fragrance to him. And then, guys, he moves. He moves with voices and with thunders and with lightnings and earthquakes. It all just works. It's his design. It's his design. And he designed us to function perfectly in his design. And so I really just want to bring it back into just a living reality for us that these altars that are in our house, in our hearts, that are, that are so much a part of our, our being, our existence, our function before him, are very real. And, and let's remember that. Um, amen? Amen. So those are the, they, the Lord did not really even mention the part about the gates. But a couple of years ago, we talked a lot about the gates. We taught a lot about the gates. And I know those gates in our sanctuary are still very much active and alive. And we need to be very much aware of that and, and, and partner and function in those gates when God draws you there, okay? So that's a study that you can find through the resources that we have, okay? And I say that because in the vision of Ezekiel, he mentions the gate several times. He mentions the door, he mentions the house, he mentions the altar, and he mentions the gates. And so forgive me for not going there, but because of time, I just, I, did, I couldn't. So we're going to talk about water for just a minute, or for a few minutes. And, and one of the things I want you to recognize is that when I said the water ran out, it was like a trickle, okay? In the beginning, it was like a trickle. And, and yet it became this rapid rise. But that rapid rise came from a pretty petty stream. And it turned into a mighty river. So if you ever think that we're small, it's okay. Because we are that petty stream. We are. Our intercession, our commune, our, our functioning before the Lord, it looks like that petty stream. And it is that petty stream. But it is going to turn into a rushing river. Amen? Amen. It, okay. It was not, the rushing river did not come by the influx of side streams. But it came by its own self-supply from the sacred miraculous source of the temple. So there were no other sources that were flowing into it to keep it pure. To keep the water pure. No messages. It, it, was, it was the trickle. And it was pure. Nothing to pollute it. And so he talks about the, the, de the, the rising of the waters. And it's interesting because Pastor, Pastor said something a couple of days ago. He didn't know that I was even looking at this. But he, he said something to encourage me. And he said, he said something like, it's on the rise. And we have to catch the momentum of it. And I didn't even realize what he was saying until this morning. I was, I, the Lord brought that to my remembrance, and he was just encouraging because I think I said something like, wow, I know there has to be brighter days ahead. And he, but I know that he was prophesying that 
that there was a rise in the waters. Guys, we got to catch the momentum of it. We got to catch the wave of it, right? Okay. So it started at his ankles, and you guys can chime in on this if you if you have um, if you want to, because I just I didn't really spend a lot of time in this. I just plucked what I was sensing. Um, started at his ankles. Your ankles, when it's just at your ankles, you're in water, you're pretty stable, but it establishes your stand, right? And, and if one thing that I've learned just from lifting weights and bearing heavy weights is that your ankles are really important. You know, the mobility of your ankles are so important, right? To be able to, to bear weight, your ankles and your core. And so to me, this is a place where our stand is established where we gain stability, where our ankles are strengthened, our core is strengthened in who we are. And it's necessary, it's a necessary process for us. And then it comes up to his knees, and we know that knees represent grace, intercession, promotion. But when the, the water's at your knees, you have less movement in the natural, right? If you're in the water. And it's, it's more difficult really to maneuver, right? And then it comes up to your loins, and we know that that represents creativity, product, productivity, um, and fruitfulness, okay? And then it went over his head, waters to swim in. And guys, this is like where all our props were kicked out from under us. <laughs> and, and we are totally abandoned to the spirit, to, to what God is doing, um, fully flowing in that Holy Spirit over my head, I have no longer, I have no control. And I love, that's my favorite place. But, um, so that's the progression that, that the Lord gave. Okay. We also know that, because I think that this has been taught on before, that this relates to um, just pursuing the things of God, the mysteries of God, and the depth of it. And, you know, guys, I, I, I just want to speak this forth prophetically. We are called right now in this year into a heightened function in, in, in our intercession and in tapping into the deeper, into unveiling the mysteries of what God is doing in this hour and into these days ahead. And we have got to step into a heightened measure of diversities of tongues and partnering with the Lord in the unveiling of those mysteries but we also have to press into the depths of gleaning his thoughts and his ways. And his grace is upon that for us in this year. And so we got to get in under over our head. Because, you know, when you're, when you're, when you're praying, when you're, when you're partnering with the Lord and the unveiling of that, when you're grasping to understand what the Lord is doing, what he is saying, sometimes it's pretty easy to understand. You know, the, the water's up to your ankles. You know, I can do this. This is good. Yeah, this is pretty easy. But then others, it's more difficult. And you got to probe, you got to press, and um, and in the midst of that, I mean, he uses it for us to be fruitful, right? But then other things are really almost beyond our reach, and um, it really requires faith and to truly be so fully submerged in the in the Holy Spirit. I remember when I was first learning how to interpret. <laughs> And God does have a sense of humor. Because I remember sitting at my desk for probably five hours interpreting a dream that Martha Joe submitted. Because I had a responsibility to interpret this dream. And I was just learning how. 
And I kept having to go through this cycle of, it's not here. Because I kept wanting to interpret it with my head like, well, this must mean this and this must mean this. And the Lord would say, scratch that. And I would have to sit back and go into intercession and go into the spirit and allow the Lord to give me one little nugget of what it meant. And, and I would put that down. And then, I would, and then I would, you know, oh, yeah, and that will lead to this. And that means this. And the Lord would say, nope, nope, scratch that. And I would literally would have to lean back go into the spirit, and I had to learn how to, to, to interpret by the spirit because we have such a tendency to want to think it through, right? And God does use our minds, and he, it, you know, we, we have to use our minds to interpret, but I'm just saying they have to be in submission to the spirit. Anyway, so that's the waters, and it really reminded me of, of in Luke chapter 5 when when Jesus was addressing Peter and subsequently calling him as an, as an apostle or a disciple, when he, you know, he was out in the boat and they'd been laboring all night, they didn't catch anything, and, and Jesus said, cast your net out into the bathos, into the mystery. And Peter said, Lord, we've been doing this all night. We're tired. There's nothing out there. And he was obedient to, did it, to do it, and when he did, he pulled up so many fish, the nets broke, and he had to call upon his, his fellow fishermen to come and help. But God is calling us into a depth of that. And, um, and then Jesus said to Peter after this whole episode, you know, fear not, from henceforth you shall catch men. And that's so much about what this is about. This is about souls. This is about the, this, the water of the Spirit moving and, and affecting our earth and affecting those that God has called. So let's look at the living water. Let's look at um, John 7. It's one of my favorite verses in all of the Bible. This is Jesus. And it said, In the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried, saying, If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. He that believes on me, as the scripture has said, out of him his belly shall flow rivers of living water. But this he spoke of the Spirit, which they that believe on him should receive, for the Holy Ghost was not yet given, because that Jesus was not yet glorified. And this is really where we transition into acknowledging the fact that we are the temple, right? We are the temple, the Holy Ghost dwells in us, and out of our belly will flow rivers of living water. Jesus is the source, John 4, 14. But whosoever drinks of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst. But the water that I shall give to him it shall be in him a well of water springing up unto everlasting life. So he is our source, and we are his temple, and that spirit of God dwells in you. It dwells in us. Amen? He is the fountain of life. He is our source. You know, we talked a lot about rain in the beginning of this year, about the latter rain, the former rain, and the latter rain, and about the harvest, and that was a prophetic word for us for this year. 
But one thing I want us to recognize and is that it's, it's the rain that's coming to, to, to water the sea to bring the harvest, and that is coming. But it's also the fountain from the deep that is rising up. That, that living well within you that God is stirring and going to bring forth these waters that are going to flow out. Okay? Look at Genesis 7, 11, and 12. Actually, it's just 11. In the 600th year of Noah's life, in the second month, the seventh day of the month, the, day, the same day were all the fountains of the great deep broken up and the windows of heaven opened and the rain was upon the earth 40 days and 40 nights. And you know, I'd never really recognized this. That when you think about the flood, because this was the flood, that it was just rain. Maybe I didn't watch the right movie. <laughs> but it says, first thing that happened was the fountains of the deep rose up and they came up the water, right? And that's such a beautiful picture of, of the Lord, the Father being the fountain of life. And that fountain is within you. And God is wanting to bring it forth and let it flow these living waters into everything that, that you encounter. I think about I think about Joel too, I think about Acts too, and I know we just talked about this, about the Spirit of the Lord being poured out. It was poured out like water on Pentecost, on the birthday of the church. And when it when when they were filled with the Holy Spirit, they were filled with the Holy Spirit, not to keep it contained but to be that river of living water, that, to take forth that life-giving message and to bring change, right? To everyone that heard it, to everyone that would receive it. It's the same for us. You think about those guys. I mean, they were uneducated, unschooled men. They hadn't been to ministry school. They hadn't been to seminary. They were fishermen. They were just, and, and the spirit came upon them and, and what came with that was this incredible momentum like this tidal wave where these unschooled men went forth and they were literally toppling kings and atmospheres and every place they went, systems, governments, everywhere they went, they brought life through that infilling and empowerment of the water of the Holy Ghost, that life-giving power to everything that they touched. God's going to... You know, I, I look across, I mean, I listen, I see what's happening in our, in our nation alone. And if water represents life, I'm going to tell you, we are living in a death culture. And that's a pretty harsh thing to say. But abortion alone, abortion alone, it's not just about abortion, though. It's violence. It's race riots. It's, the, it's really the destruction of the family structure. It's, it's the death of gender identity. It is the deconstruction of the Holy Word of God. That's, that, that is what we're living right now. It is like a death culture. If we do not think for one minute that God has a remedy, that remedy is water. It is the Holy Ghost. It is the power of the Holy Ghost. It is that life-giving water that is flowing out of you. It's flowing out of this house. And I promise you that we are going to see an outpouring 
We're going to see that water flowing out of this sanctuary into our neighborhood. And this liberal neighborhood that we dwell in is going to be changed. It's going to be touched. Amen? Do you believe that? Now, I want to read the end of, of Ezekiel 47, because this is the promise of healing, of the water that flows out of the sanctuary. And we'll begin with verse 7. Now, when I had returned, behold, at the bank of the river were many trees on one side or the other. Then said he unto me, These waters issued out toward the east country, and go down into the desert, and go into the sea, which being brought forth into the sea, and water shall be healed. This was like the Dead Sea, right? Nothing lived in the Dead Sea. Those waters shall be healed, and it shall come to pass that everything that lives, which moves, whithersoever the river shall come, shall live. And there shall be a very great multitude of fish, because these waters shall come hither, for they shall be healed, and everything that shall live, whether the river comes. And it shall come to pass that the fisher shall stand up from En Gedi, even unto Enaglam, and they shall be a place to spread forth nets. Their fish shall be according to their kinds as the fish of the great sea exceeding many. And the miry places thereof and the marshes thereof shall not be healed. They shall be given to salt. And by the river upon the banks thereof, on this side and on that side, shall grow all trees for meat whose leaves shall not fade, neither shall the fruit thereof be consumed. And it shall bring forth new fruit according to its months because their waters they issued out of the sanctuary and the fruit thereof shall be for meat, and the leaf thereof for medicine. This is a promise. This is a promise. And I know that this speaks of, of you know, the, heaven, the heavenly temple and what, what John speaks in the book of Revelation. But I'm holding, I mean, I'm holding on to this. But I'm also, and what I want to encourage you in is to recognize what a vital part you play in it. That... God has filled you for a purpose. And, and I know, for me, I've had some dry time. I mean, I, I've had some dry moments. No pun intended. <laughs> but, but, but I know that the Spirit, I know the Lord, as we press in to commune with him, to have fellowship with him in our time of hunger and thirst, in this time of winter, that he's going to fill us to overflowing. And we're going to be that river. And he's going to occupy our sanctuary and, and, and put a fresh hunger to, to, to make intercession, to, to function at the altars, and to truly um, just partner with him in the river that flows out of the sanctuary into the desert places and into the places that so desperately need to be healed. And I just speak that forth. I speak that over you. I speak that over our neighborhoods, over our homes, over our nation, and over the nations of the world. That Habakkuk 2.14 says, For the earth shall be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. And I just speak that forth in this year of the prophetic. And I just, I just want, want to encourage you in it. And... And know that this wasn't me. This was the Lord. And, and I'm very thankful for that. Because um, he's just good. Amen? Now, I, I really wanted to have time for some open discussion. because, And I wanted to talk about opposition to this. But we don't have time for that. But I really want you to, 
Because the Lord's been showing me some opposition that comes against this flow. And, you know, we know that unclean spirits are those spirits that will do everything they can to stop the free flow of what God's doing. And, and, and I also know, and I just want to speak this forth, that Jesus, when he commissioned the disciples and subsequently commissions us, he gave us power. He gave us dunamis over the unclean spirits. And so in this, the remaining days and weeks, I don't even know what today is. Oh, today's 02212021. It's my grandmother's birthday. She's no longer with us, but anyway. Um, in these remaining days of this year of the evangelist, and, you know, I feel like these months, these fivefold prophetic months, they're not just for the month. I feel like they're going to, they're, they're, it's just, there's just something, a new dispensation upon them, and I feel like it's like propelling us for the year. And so that, the promise of the evangelist and the promise of the dunamis and those creative miracles and the things that God's going to do just to unblock those unclean spirits or whatever may be blocking us um, is going to continue on as we step into it. But I just want you to just maybe ponder, think, meditate upon, is there any part of this that you feel you've experienced blockage? And if so, take that to the Lord and ask the Lord through his dunamis power to break that up. Because I know I've been, I mean, I've been there this last week. And I, listen, I am in a place of desperately needing breakthrough physically and, and, and the, you know, in the, in the natural, but also in the spirit. I want breakthrough. I want deeper. I want, I want to step into the prophetic in a deeper way. I want to interpret it, you know, all those things that I know we all desperately desire. And I just believe that the spirit is here to, to really usher us in. And so I just speak that grace over you. But think about it. I mean, just what's blocking? What's blocking? And, you know, a lot of times it's just in the realm. And, and we just have, to, we have to, to battle against that and see the opening of it. So anyway, I didn't leave any time. Does anybody have a comment? heard that sigh. I think I could write a book on water. I really do. Or any one of you could. But anybody? I just felt it was a very strong message. Thank you, Fran. Well, thank the Lord. Thank you, Lord. You know, it's funny. I was, I was talking to, we had some young ones here this week, Noah and a friend of his. And we were talking about the things of the Lord, and and I was just I was just sharing with Amber. She's one of the ones that came a couple of months ago, or in November, remember? And she was on Saints Radio with me. But um, you know, it's one thing to 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 get counsel. It's another thing when the Lord speaks to you. When the Lord shows you something, it is undeniable. And this was an undeniable encounter that I had, and I. I couldn't have made it happen. I mean, it was the middle of when I had COVID, and I was not expecting it, but the Lord is just so faithful that way. And so we take what he gives us, and we pour it out. We have to. That's our responsibility, and that's our flowing in this, this creativity of his flow. And so, anyway.
The Dead Sea, I believe, covers Sodom and Gomorrah. And the, you know, the, the picture you get when you read this is that river of living water flowing out from the throne. And it, and it talks about, as it goes into that sea, that the waters become fresh and that the fish begin to live and that there will be all manner of fish. And it actually, in this commentary I read, said there's like 156 different speaks to a lot of things. Number one, you know, I would say that if ever our society has, has digressed to the point of being a type of Sodom and Gomorrah, we're there. And, and, and maybe going deeper there. Um, but, but we are that river of living water. And we will flow into that deep, dark, nasty place, which is where Sodom and Gomorrah was. But that spirit flowing through us into those places will cause the water or the people to become cleansed through the Holy Spirit. Um, and it's also interesting to me that it talks about the marshes and the pits will be left for a place of salt because there are going to be pockets that you know, the <coughs> Very, I mean, if somebody said, hey, Stacy, I'm going to send you into Sodom and Gomorrah to, you know, be the light. <laughs> Is there another place you can send me Lord? You know, what a vile, nasty, filthy place, right? But that's where we are. Well, the thing that's funny about that, and I've, I've been really contemplating, um, I don't need to go off the air, Scott, but just the fact that, I mean, there is such an evilness that's happening and you can think of it in so many different ways Sodom and Gomorrah and what all that represents but how do you change that how do you really affect that change but you know it's a supernatural thing that happens it's not something that I do and so it really you know it takes the heat off in, in the sense that I'm not responsible for that part of it I'm just responsible to go and um and I think that I, I tend to, to um, kind of defeat myself before I do anything because I think of the thing that has to happen and I put it on myself to affect that. And uh, like leading worship, I mean, you know, I've got to go do a good job. What? Well, I've just got to seek the Lord. I mean, the God's the only one that's going to do anything in that sanctuary. I don't care how lovely I sing. <laughs> that's not what brings change. That's not what brings anything. You know, he's the one that does it. I just immediately go to my position and I do the thing that I do before him. And but that's how I look at this world. It just seems like an impossibility. I mean, there's just no way I can do this thing. Well, no, I can't do any of it. But he is the one that's going to do it. And, and and that water, it's a miraculous thing. That's just something that, you know, that's something that he does. Like you said, it comes from that triple that's from the throne. It's not, you know. The things we're going to see and be a part of are going to be completely out of our reach. They're going to be beyond anything that we've ever known. 
we're seeing, it'll be so obvious that we didn't do it. <laughs> but anyway, I just, I think about what you said about the sun in the morning. I think, God, how would you? She'll have to. It's the obedience. It's, Jonah, go to Nineveh. I don't think so. Jonah, go to Nineveh. That's part of that living sacrifice, you know. I have to die to the thing he's presenting to me today so that I can go forward. Because it's always something a little different. I mean, sometimes you're dying to the same old thing because you keep getting off the altar on that on that issue. And you wonder, oh, but I thought I dealt with that 20 years ago. And But still, I mean, the dying is that mindset, and it is your mind. Your mind has to agree with the fact that you're going to give that up. So. Well, and too, and the, you know, the altar of incense too. I mean, I, I just revisiting that is just, it just hit me because it was made by the apothecary. It was medicinal. I mean, it was to exact standards. So when we come and we present ourselves and we partner with the Lord in as incense before Him, do you not even realize the effect of that? I mean, there's that is so powerful that you talk about with God. His, I mean, it's just. His plan is just perfect. And there's so many different parts to it, but it all works together in his design. And, and you know, we want to be as those leaves that bring the medicine, that bring the remedy. We do, when we do that, we do partner with him in the voice and the thunder and the lightning and the earthquake. That's where the change comes. It comes from the throne. But it comes through the incense that rises, the prayers of the saints in conjunction with him and releasing that into the earth. Yeah, we can't, it has nothing other than our obedience to, to be that, that vessel, it has everything that voice, that intercessor. It has nothing to do with us yeah. all at the same time. Yeah. So it's a weird, yeah. it's an oxymoron almost. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, so. Well, thank you so much, and I just thank the Lord just to even be here. And um, well, we're glad to have you here. <laughs> thank you. Father, we thank you for just your word. We thank you for speaking to your people. And Lord, today we just commit fully this day to you. And we just say, have your way with us. Have your way in this place. Lord, help us to, to see our sanctuary as a heavenly place. Help us to truly emulate heaven. And, and Lord, help us to function in the exact way that you have called us to function. And Lord, we just love you. And I just ask that you would just bless his people. Um, in Jesus' name, amen.